There aren't many firsts left in today's world, but something new is happening across the pond. The United Kingdom has its first ever non-Caucasian prime minister, and he's taking office after an unusually wild weekend of British politics. Rishni Sunak is now the first person of color to leave Britain. On Thursday, Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned after only 44 days in office. Boris Johnson then dropped his bid for the position, making way for Sunak's victory. The first British Asian to hold the office will also be the youngest prime minister in over two centuries. He's only 42 years old. But his job will not be easy. The UK economy is in trouble. And the nation is quite divided. Sounds a little like where I live in the U.S., where elections will take place next week. Even in these troubled times, Christians can take comfort. God is still in control, no matter how messy things get. Welcome to Haven Today here on Wednesday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing together with you the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're still in a series called Nobody Wins Alone. In a moment, we're going to go back to the book of Genesis. We're going to hear another underdog story. Yesterday, we heard about Abel's story and how the Lord had his eye on him. And today, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. If ever there were an underdog, someone who seemed like life was stacked against him, Joseph would be that person. But I think you'll be greatly encouraged after our few minutes together looking at his life on how the Lord was with him through all his trials. Then after the program, I want to send you the film called American Underdog. It's about the true life story of Kurt Warner. He played at Northern Iowa, a small university that most people outside of Iowa haven't heard of. And at one point, he was out of football completely, stocking shelves at a supermarket. But wouldn't you know it? This no-name underdog became the face of the NFL for a few years, and he was always praising Jesus. This compelling and heartwarming story will remind you how our purpose in life is to glorify God in all that we do. Here's our number to call after the program. Make your gift. Ask for American Underdog. Just call 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, watch the trailer and a clip for the movie, and then make your gift when you visit us at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now let's open the program with a song to the Lord, sung to us by Laura Story. Immortal, you are not like a man that you change your mind, change your plan, invisible. Our human eyes can't see the depths of your majesty. You're the God of forever and never amen. Alpha Omega, beginning and end. We sing hallelujah, we worship in the mortal invisible God. 
Welcome back to Haven Today on this Wednesday, almost November, as hard as that is to believe. I'm Charles Morris, a program called Nobody Wins Alone, and that was Laura Story and Immortal Invisible. And before long, we'll be talking about winter storms. There was actually some snow in parts of the Rockies and over the Great Plains the last few days. Nights by the fire, where you find a good Christmas tree, that's all coming up. That's one thing you and I can count on in this world. Things will keep moving. They keep changing. Season gives way to season, and one year follows another. But there is a constant for us in the middle of all our change, the Lord who never changes. Remember what he said to his people in Malachi 3, 6? I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Even though his people were nothing but faithless, he remained faithful. Now that's true for us, too. I hope you know that. And we're in this series, Nobody Wins Alone, and we've been thinking about different underdogs in Scripture, people who were used in unexpected ways by our great God. We've heard from Kurt Warner and thought about how he went from rags to riches, a stalker at a supermarket in Iowa to a Hall of Famer, NFL quarterback. But as great as his story is, the Bible tells us about an even more incredible rags-to-riches tale. It's one that I think you've probably heard before, and I've heard it many times. I'm talking about the story of Joseph, as we find it in Genesis. Actually, I suppose we could call it a riches-to-rags-to-riches story. And through it all, though, God proved faithful. The Lord even used sinful human actions to bring about his plan. Remember what Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis 50? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. But I'm getting ahead of my story here. This all began when Joseph was a young man living with his father and mother and brothers in the land that we now know as Israel. And Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob. They say that parents shouldn't have favorites, but Jacob did. Joseph was his only son from his favorite wife, Rachel. And Jacob treated Joseph differently. Now, I don't know how many siblings you have in your family, but if you want to start fights between brothers and sisters, showing favoritism is a surefire way to do it. And that's exactly what happened in this famous family. We read about it in Genesis 37. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. And then Joseph started having dreams that showed his family bowing down to him and being the naive, arrogant young man, he decided his family needed to hear about it. I'm sure none of us have ever had such moments in our younger days. But of course, his relationship with his brothers kept getting worse. And you know what happens next. Joseph was sent to look for his brothers who were away from home, tending the sheep. And scripture says, when Joseph came to his brothers... They stripped him of that colorful robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. 
and they took him and threw him into a cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Here is where we begin to see the Lord working behind the scenes. Instead of killing him like they originally considered, the brothers decided to sell him into slavery to some Ishmaelites traveling through the area to Egypt. Now that might sound strange to our ears. God was working through one of his people, sold into slavery, but it's true. That was part of the Lord's plan to save his people. But of course, Joseph didn't know that at the time. From favored son of Jacob to slave of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, Potiphar, what a fall. But that wasn't the end of the story. It's hard for us to imagine a lower underdog than an ancient Egyptian slave. But just like he does today, the God of the universe began to work through the underdog. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of all his household. He entrusted to him his care of everything he owned. So that's it, right? The underdog was doing well again. Everything was looking up. Not exactly. Joseph then was falsely accused of assault by Potiphar's wife. And so this underdog became an even greater underdog. There was only one thing worse than being a slave in ancient Egypt. And Joseph got to experience it. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. How could things get better now? How would God work in this situation? Joseph, of course, was a victim of injustice, unjustly enslaved, unjustly jailed, but God even worked in a prison. He was put in charge of the prison by the warden, just like Potiphar had put him in charge of his house. But that didn't mean that things were all looking up for Joseph. Remember the story of how Pharaoh threw his baker and cupbearer in prison and how Joseph accurately interpreted their dreams? But when the cupbearer was restored to his position at Pharaoh's side, he forgot about Joseph. Can this Hebrew man catch a break? Will things ever be made right? Here he was in prison, and that's where he stayed for two whole years, forgotten. Well, at least forgotten by men, but not forgotten by God. You see, the Lord had greater plans, and not just for Joseph, but for Joseph's family and for the entire world around Egypt. He would soon send seven years of plentiful crops to Egypt, followed by seven years of famine that was severe. God sent dreams to Pharaoh, and finally the cupbearer remembered that man Joseph. And the Lord told Joseph what the dreams meant. So you know what happened next. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I don't know about you, but I don't know of a more extreme rags-to-riches story than that. Joseph was the son of one of the Old Testament patriarchs, the favorite son of Jacob, but slavery was a low blow. And even when he gained status as a slave in Potiphar's house, he ended up in jail. 
and ancient prisons were not nice places to live. So when he went from enslaved prisoner to second in command of an ancient superpower in a single day, well, that's quite a promotion. And soon his name was known all around the ancient Middle Eastern world. Famine hit. God said it would. And it didn't just hit Egypt. We read that all the world came to Egypt to buy their grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. And wouldn't you know it, all the world included Joseph's family. His brothers came to Egypt to buy food for their wives and children. And in the process, Joseph saved the brothers who hated him, thought about killing him, and sold him into slavery. And so the man they mistreated became their deliverer. God used the greatest underdog of the day to rescue his people, to make sure that the line of the coming Messiah would not die off. And in that way, Joseph pointed to Jesus. He was like the preview of coming attractions before a movie begins. He suffered unjustly. He went from a good life to a life of suffering. But God raised him up, put him in charge. And he saved his people as a result. And this is what he did for his family when they arrived in Egypt. Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt, gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food, according to the number of their children. He gave them part of the finest region of the land, just like Jesus gives us a better land than we can dream of, the new heavens and earth. You know, if there's one thing that I've come to realize during these past few times together, God still uses underdogs, and they all point to the great underdog, a carpenter's son from Nazareth, who was actually God coming in the flesh. The Messiah who died an excruciating death on the cross. He's the one who gives meaning to the story of Joseph and Kurt Warner's story and the story of everyone else God raises up and uses. And if you believe in him, he's raising you up as well. Maybe not to be a star quarterback or become second in command of a powerful nation. No, God is raising you up to be something even better his child, and he's still in the business of blessing us underdogs, even today. How about joining me for a little prayer right now? Lord, we've looked at the life of Joseph. Started out great. It then went on to be bad. Finally ended great. And it all ended up giving glory to you. Lord, every one of us are going to face trials in our lives. Some of us, many of us, facing our trials right now. Some are extremely severe. May we not forget that you lead us. You take us by the hand. When we follow Christ and Christ alone, we are on the right path, taking the right journey, the journey that leads us home, and it leads us to better times. And it leads us to greatness, not in ourselves, but to the Lord of all. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you. We glorify your name, and we do that right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. When I am down, and oh, my soul so weary. 
When troubles come and my heart burden be, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me. To more than I can be. Selah, you raised me up on a haven today. Nobody wins alone. 
Thinking about films that have done well in the past, it seems to me that we all really enjoy a good underdog story. I can think of Rocky as one such movie, a boxer who just wanted to have a chance at the title. Or what about the film Rudy, about the Notre Dame football team walk-on who just wanted to play in one game for his favorite team? Both Rocky and Rudy seemed like real outsiders. But by the end of the day in the movie, and I won't spoil it for you if you haven't seen them, we're all feeling good about ourselves. But in most underdog movies, something spiritual is lacking. The hero often achieves his or her goal, and then that's it. It was just for them. But when you watch the new movie called American Underdog, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. This family film shows how Kurt Warner went from stocking shelves at a grocery store to becoming a Super Bowl champ who gave all praise to the God of glory. As long as I have a ball in my hands, I feel alive. Kind of like how I feel right now. I'm staying here. I got work to do. Work? The NFL's not going to draft some dude from the NCAA school in Iowa. There were other offers. I called every team in the NFL. No one's interested. Can I get one of your applications? I promised that I would take care of you and the kids. So that is exactly what I'm going to do. You got the whole package, kid. I'm sorry, who are you? I'm with the Rams. All those years gave you something others didn't have. Made you ready for this moment. I gotta give the praise and glory to my Lord and Savior up above. And we're world champions. How about the Rams? I realized that there was a reason that the Lord brought me along the way he did. He knew that uh, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, I wouldn't have been ready for this. You know, I wasn't focused on what was really important in life. I would have been happy to throw touchdown passes and make a lot of money and do those types of things, but I would have been happy to do that for me. Now when I go out and step on this field and can throw some touchdown passes and can win football games, all I think about is how I can build that platform and use what I do on this football field to glorify and praise my Lord and Savior. That's Kirk Warner giving praise to his Lord. Let me just say this. There's so much more to his story than football. And that's why you don't have to be a football fan to enjoy this film. It centers on Kurt's drive to become a great player, but how his dreams were not realized until he put that idol of football behind him and followed Jesus and provided for his family. American Underdog is an inspiring journey of faith, family, determination. It'll remind you that God works through regular people just like you and me. I want to send you the American Underdog DVD for your gift to support Haven today. You can call us right now. Our number is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go online, watch the trailer and a clip for the movie, and then make your gift when you visit haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Thursday we'll get together again. We'll share the great story together, the story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today.
Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There are plenty of things to hear today. Radio programs, news shows, podcasts, but for all the hearing we do nowadays, how much do we listen? I mean, listen. Did your parents ever tell you that when you were young? You're hearing me, but you aren't listening. Well, there's something even more serious than not listening to our earthly parents, not listening to our Father in heaven. And he has sent us a prophet. Actually, he has sent us the prophet. Listen to what Moses said. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. That prophet is Jesus, the Son of God. Listen to him. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit getanchor.com.